The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, let's start with another passer being passive-aggressive. It's an annual rite of passage. Um, We talked about this in passing um, a few months ago, I feel like, but as the facts and circumstances change, so should our opinions. Um, Justin Fields, uh, whose uh, career in Chicago has been on the clock ever since the Bears secured the rights to the number one overall pick and presumably USC's Caleb Williams. Uh, he did that thing that kids do, not even just kids. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop saying that. They're kids. Like, we all on Instagram. You know, we ain't that old. We ain't on Instagram. Do that thing do that do people it? do. Do you do that? Do I unfollow thing? people? Do I unfollow yeah. people? No. No. Well, first of all, first of all, nobody gives two shits about who I follow. The people who I follow don't give enough of a shit about me. For them to notice if I unfollow them. That's number one. I'm not that important for people to take notice and to be tracking who I'm following. Number two, hypothetically speaking, let's say I were that important to where people cared who I followed or unfollowed. I don't do that. I will simply use the feature that allows you to mute people's accounts. So you could still be following those <laughs> people, not called. Not, no, it's not because they no because they don't know. They don't know because they don't that's know. The that's worse. What did I do? It's, it's, no, no, they, they don't know anything. They don't know that you're that I, you have muted their account that their, so their stories and that. their posts so will no longer. Yeah, no, 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 they can still message me. No, 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 no. Like my, like, okay, Michael. So just rest assured. I have not muted your account. So like if you if I had muted your account and you posted something, you wouldn't know whether I saw it or not. You wouldn't know whether I viewed it or not. But if you message me, I still get the message. So it's an even softer passive aggressive way, quite frankly, I'm owning it, of unfollowing somebody. It's it's a less confrontational way of unfollowing somebody. As That's confrontational what I mean. as unfollowing can be. But yeah, what's the problem least, with that? At least, just, unf- at least I'm not unfollowing is Yeah, I like just, unfollowing is actually get right like there. More hey, direct, we got a more problem. Direct. Oh, we got a okay. problem. I'm letting I'm letting you know. We got a problem. Even though, even though okay. unfollowing, even though unfollowing is not direct, it's like I said, it's passive aggressive. <laughs> it's sending a message without actually sending a message. This is a hell of a rabbit hole. But okay, so Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears. I assume at some point uh, he'll explain it away as just Instagram maintenance, the same way Kyler Murray did. I, I remember others have done. It's like, oh, I'll just you know cleaning out my uh, you know my Instagram feed or whatever. Um, 
anyway, uh, he's probably going to be an ex-Chicago Bear sooner rather than later. You had a cup of coffee in Chicago. Um, you know that town. You know that organization. Uh, even though obviously it's turned over probably several times since you were in Chicago. Uh, we all know the history of that position in that organization. So before we get to Justin Fields' future, uh, let's stay in the present. Like, what's the Bears move here? My former franchise mode partner in crime. What's the move here for the Bears? Is it to stay the course with a talented quarterback who, while he may have flaws and may still have room for development, I think in fairness, hasn't always had the best supporting cast? Or do they hit the reset button again franchise mode at this position and trade Justin Fields so that they can reset the rookie contract at quarterback with Caleb Williams, presumably, um, and build around him. Like you're running the Bears, not even Kevin Warren, not even team president who will get to my man Kevin Warren in a second, but you're Ryan Poles, you're running the Bears. First, what is your move at quarterback? Let's start there. Man, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating position to be in, isn't it? Like going back Story to everybody, right everybody can relate to it now because I know, and, and we'll talk about this one day. I know not today, but the numbers, you see the numbers that went up in the NFL, the betting in the NFL, under that betting umbrella is fantasy football and all of these fantasy team building apparatuses that you have out there. I think people are really into, hey, what would you do? This whole fantasy of what would you do if you were, if you were charged with building a team? So that's where the Bears are right now, a beautiful position, even though Justin Fields unfollowed them. So they have Justin Fields, who was a first-round quarterback who has some talent. We agree on that. He's talented. How talented is up for debate. But he's a talented guy. You've got him under contract. You don't have to do anything. And you made the trade of all trades uh, with the Carolina Panthers. There's no way in hell they thought when they traded with you last year that they were trading the number one overall pick. So you got Justin right. Fields, you got the number one overall pick, and you have another top 10 pick. So right. I would not. be tempted. Yeah. This is what I'd be tempted to do. I know with Chicago, and I know their history with quarterbacks, and I understand the critics of Justin Fields because you can't just say he didn't have any help. Well, did have DJ Moore. <laughs> well, this year, okay. not, not, but not yeah, until I mean, this year. And he hasn't yeah, always but this year, had a great but judge him line. on this year though. Okay, Ju sure. But yep. judge him judge him on on what he's been working with. Sure. And at is times Luke Getzey, is Luke Getzey considered a offensive mastermind. Okay, there's a there's a lot of different if you if you are so inclined that's all I'm saying, Michael, there's a lot of reasons to think that Justin Fields has more potential than he's been able to show in Chicago. Uh, I would. Yeah, that's true. This is the only way I would draft Caleb Williams. See, it's not a no-brainer for me. The only way I draft okay. Caleb Williams is if I'm sitting down with my with my my brain trust, whatever, however big that is for Ryan Poles and the Bears. Whether it's four people, eight, you bring the whole team in. You need more people. Uh, we don't believe your scouting reports. We need you need more people. You bring them all in. And if everybody says Justin Fields is the best quarterback I've seen in ten years. Or Justin Fields is so much better than Caleb. Uh, the, he's so much better than I mean, Caleb Williams. So much better than Justin Fields. I should say I, I misspoke. I meant Justin. 
I meant Caleb, but gotcha. I said Justin. Gotcha. If those guys say Caleb Williams is the best thing we've seen and he's clearly better than Justin Fields, okay, you draft him. If there's any kind of wavering, sorry, I'm staying with Justin Fields. I'm going to pick the best player at number one. It might be Marvin Harrison. I ain't trading. I'm taking the best player at one. I'm taking the best player at nine. I'm good. I got cap space. I've, I've drafted two of the top 10 players in this draft. We're going. We're building something. I'd be inclined to do that. I really would. I'd be inclined okay. to stick with Justin Fields and build around him. Build something great around him. I'm inclined to dust off the old PlayStation 5 and ooh. fire up franchise mode and I, ooh. do it my damn self. We got to sell right the dynasty league that I that we're I pulled right here. you in. All right, so we're 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 very similar in and how we would approach this, which doesn't surprise me because we think very similarly when it comes to team construction. Um, by the way, uh, there was a report that the Bears, um, their plan at quarterback would uh, they would they would have a plan at quarterback. I believe next week it would crystallize whether it becomes public or not. I mean, they probably won't let everybody know what their plan is, but they will have a plan at quarterback. What I would do if I were in a big chair is. Similar, I would keep Justin Fields and I'll explain why in a second. But I would auction off this number one pick and I'll explain why after I explain why I keep Justin Fields. Even if Caleb Williams has the potential to be the next Patrick Mahomes, even if Caleb Williams um, is the best prospect in years, there are no guarantees. None. And instead of trying to get the next Patrick Mahomes, I would look at his counterpart in the Super Bowl. And I'd be, that would be my model. My model would be, Pat, would, would be Brock Purdy. Not saying that you wait until the last pick of the draft to get your quarterback, but my model is San Francisco because I think that's the model that is more sustainable and more realistic and, 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 and gives you better odds of success at quarterback than thinking this is the quarterback that will solve all our problems that we've had since Sid Luckman. The reason I say that is like, again, I'm one of these, I'm a Justin, call me a Justin Fields apologist. I feel like Fields hasn't had enough time because we don't give young quarterbacks time. And I don't think he's been in the right situation, whether it's play calling, whether it's personnel, whatever it is, injury or his own faults that he can develop out of. I don't think we've seen the best of Justin Fields yet. Now I get the financial aspect, but I'm putting that to the side. I'm getting the idea of like, I'll oh, be coming up on extension time for him very soon. Are we certain we want to give him a mega contract, whereas we could reset with a rookie, uh, a, a rookie contract with a new quarterback. But you bring in Caleb Williams. And if your infrastructure isn't what it needs to be, the best prospect in a generation may not be successful. Whereas with the right infrastructure, not saying anybody could take you to the promised land. But look, the Chiefs probably talk about Patrick Mahomes and maybe he'd have been great wherever he'd have gone. Maybe. And we could say that about the goat that he's chasing in Tom Brady. Maybe Tom Brady just had something in him that nobody saw until pick 199 where he'd have been great wherever he went. Maybe Montana would have been great somewhere else. You know? Nope. Right. This is all rhetorical what I'm saying. I'm just giving him the right. benefit I of know. the doubt. Yeah. I know. I, so we're, we, we're here. Because it's like, no, like the Chiefs were ready for a Patrick Mahomes from a coaching, organizational, 
and supporting cast standpoint, they were ready for Patrick Mahomes to flourish. The Bears have spent the last several years. Ryan Poles inherited a bear cupboard. He has stocked the cupboard and they've spent the last couple of years setting themselves up, preparing themselves for a quarterback, preparing a table for a quarterback, right? J let Justin Fields eat and take that number one pick and let it keep appreciating with value. Okay, <laughs> this is some guns and butter stuff right here. Let it appreciate with value and like let that thing keep producing more and more assets. I auction it off even if it's the commanders who are desperate in theory. I know they're not the same old commanders, but they probably love it seems like to bring Caleb Williams home to the DMV. Even if it's the commanders or anybody else that wants to come up for the number one pick flip that thing and and, and have that that cupboard so stocked so loaded for bear into the future where whether it's Justin Fields or the next quarterback because you know, this time a year ago Michael what nobody predicted and I know they're not the same prospect. I know they're not the same prospect, but nobody thought that Bryce Young would struggle the way he did. Nobody thought that wow. Bryce Young and the Carolina yeah. Panthers would flame out and that entire organization would be blown up after one year. Nobody after thought one that. year. Yeah, after one year, which shows that no quarterback is impervious to his circumstances. So for me, I keep building the entire team, making it as, as strong as possible for the QB. And if Fields shows that he's not the guy, okay, well, the next guy has a better chance of success because of what you've done with these draft, these number one overall picks each of the last two years. They can set themselves up for generations of Chicago Bears fans if they play this right at number one. So I'm with you. I keep Fields, but I, but I trade the number one pick. And I let, and I let somebody well, I, else I, think that Caleb Williams is a savior. Yeah, okay. Trading the number one pick, I understand it. I just think they're sometimes you can get too cute with that. So I wonder how mm -hmm. I, I want the asset. I want to flip. You don't the want asset. to pass on the uh, next you know, Mahomes <laughs> right. or, or the no, next no, no. I don't Randy care about Moss because I've already okay. I've already made the decision okay. that Justin Fields okay. I've I've planted my flag oh, you have. here. You have. Yes. Yeah. I have. Yes. So let, 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 yeah. let's plant the flag and Justin Fields is our guy. He's yeah. the guy. So if he's the next Mahomes. All right. So be it. Uh, all right. Next Mahomes. That ain't happening. There ain't no next Mahomes, but okay. Yeah, right. Not yet. Hey, look, not yet. Hey, look, he's not. He is not a. Cons you're right. He's not a consensus. You said this earlier. Yeah. Let's, let, I just want to like reiterate what you said. Not everybody is sold on Caleb Williams, the Cantonese prospect. Right. And so you've got that number one pick and you got nine. I want to get to the point. All right. If I'm convinced. If Washington, if Washington comes up and just go from two to one, and that's going to give me another first rounder, sure. If New England yeah. wants to come up three to one, another first rounder, and other picks, sure. I'm not going too far away out of the top. Gotcha. I need to come away with. I need Marvin Harrison. Okay, I'm just going to point out. <laughs> I need the best player in the draft, and that's Marvin Harrison. I think he's better than all of them. So you take Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> You got DJ Moore, you got Justin Fields, and you still yeah. have number nine. Get yourself a tackle. Yeah. It's a deep tackle draft, according to the experts. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm only chuckling moving. because I just, I just hear OH. I just chuckling. No, no, I'm, no. I'm not arguing with you. I, I'm, I'm not arguing you, with you. I, I'm the same guy who told you last year who the best player was in the draft. I tried to tell you. 
I tried to learn you something last year. Told you when you were you no, had you, your little you, you were you were on the one trial train. You know you know what no. Let me, see, wait, let me wait, call what you I out say? here. Let me call what you. You I had say? your one on one interview with Bryce Young. Oh yeah, you did. You did one on one interview with Bryce Young. I did. You were like, ooh, okay. I guarantee you. I guarantee that this dude, what this dude's gonna be successful. Oh, you love Bryce oh, Young. I did. You loved him. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I did. I did. My man, I did. But you know what? Okay. My man, Michael you know Smith. And y'all were talking about movies. Y'all talking about Marvel. No, um, no. But what I, but what I, but what I said on this program, okay, yeah, I uh-huh. said that C.J. Stroud would be the best of the big three quarterbacks. I said that after you, my friend, built the C.J. Stroud bus. So I'm giving you that. Okay. But I, I, I am okay. on record. Okay. I, we, we are we, we, we are not we do not part company. We did not part company. This is not oh. revisionist history, but I am giving you credit for gassing up. If not building that CJ Stroud bus continue Marvin yeah. Harrison. You don't, yeah. you don't want to lose Marvin so, Harrison. No, I don't want to lose him. And and so this is part of the rebuild. You talk about loaded for bear loaded for bears. Okay, we're loaded for bears <laughs> the bears. And so of course look you got you got Marvin. Yeah, it's right there. It was just right. Oh, there. Man, I wasn't even. Uh, I wasn't even. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. DJ Moore franchise left tackle a quarterback who is now going into year four. You he he thinks you believe in him now. And he's got weaponry surrounding him. He's got uh, in more of an infrastructure. Now he's got more of a vision. He's got a new offensive coordinator. Let Justin Fields do his thing in Chicago. Not saying he's great, yeah. but I think he can be pretty good if you stick with that plan. No, I'm not. I'm not starting over with that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, how long, and I don't how think I'm going to keep playing this game. How long I'm gonna and keep I don't think you can go I'm wrong. Over I don't. Th- I don't think you can go wrong. Accumulating more assets. I think it's when you pick the wrong quarterback. That's when you're. That's when you're regretful. But if you have a plan, a blueprint. And that's just to keep, you know, maneuvering up and down the draft board and collecting assets uh, to build a complete team with. I don't think you can go wrong doing that. I really don't. Um, sidebar, for those of you who may care, I pulled Michael Holly into a dynasty league, oh. uh, and we had and we and we were able to select our draft position for the startup draft. And the inverse is your position for the rookie draft. Michael Holly couldn't wait to pick 115 in the startup. So he can get 102 in the rookie draft and take Marvin Harrison, uh, yes. who may or may not be there. He, he's, he's, like there's a lot of there's a lot of super flexes taking saying. Marvin Harrison at 101. I'm just letting you know. Hey, there are so many. I'm just there are so many stories. There's there. so many stories of guys through the years, coaches having flip outs in the war room <laughs> when things don't work out the way they thought they would. Oh, yeah, you want to see? Yeah. You want to see a, a, a straight up adult temper tantrum? Let one of these jokers take Marvin Harrison <laughs> Jr. before I do. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna lose uh, my mind. Hey, this uh, is all very carefully thought out. This is carefully constructed. That's the plan. Okay, there ain't no backup okay. plan. All right, that's well, my no, plan. Good, look. Look, I, pre- I appreciate your passion because I mean, you know, you kind of been checked out of the league. You know, there's a lot of activity you ain't been a part hey, of. Hey, oh, but okay. that's a conversation. Can I tell people? We'll talk on the phone. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, I got to tell people this real quick, real quick. Okay, now I was in Vegas 
just trying to do my job. I'm trying to do my job in Las Vegas Super Hold, Bowl week. Holding we down got, the show. Holding yeah, holding hey, down hey, solo. And this is and and I and I appreciate I, lo- I love the opportunity to to stand there. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's cool. It's all it's all good. But I'm trying to interview people and trying to set up things, doing my TikToks, doing all the <laughs> social stuff. And every time I check my phone, I got like, you know, 22 man, like what? 22 messages. And it's this Michael <laughs> Smith inspired league where these guys are going back and forth about <laughs> draft picks and trades and we are like degenerates. The cap. Like, we are degenerates. I, it is no place for beginners of sensitive hearts. How yeah, about turn muted. off the new full circle? Yeah. I muted you. It's there a, you go. I got to unmute you. Yeah. You still you muted me. the conversation. You didn't unfollow us. You didn't bad. leave the league. You just muted it. Enough about yeah. fantasy. Dream scenario for Justin Fields. If the Bears decide, Caleb Williams is just too good to pass on. He's better. Sorry, Justin. Go be great somewhere else. Dream scenario for Justin Fields. Man. Uh, Atlanta? Hell yeah. Probably That's where I would start. Atlanta. That's where I would start. Hell yeah. That's a dream scenario yeah. for, for, for anybody. Like if there was a, if there was a LinkedIn job and opening and you rank it both them, of them, Atlanta's number one for any quarterback. Atlanta's number one for any quarterback. Any quarterback. Like it's it's you are you are walking into a situation for the same reason that they miscalculated with my man Desmond Ritter. You are walking into a situation built for a quarterback to be successful. You have yeah. not one, a quarterback but two like capable running backs. Right. You have a tight end whose potential remains untapped thanks to the pre- previous head coach. You got a yep. top 10 pick at wide receiver who's 22 years old. You have a young, dynamic supporting cast there for whoever steps in there, whether it's Justin Fields or even, keep going. Know, I, I know some speculated about Russell Wilson. I don't see it. Some speculated about Russell Wilson or even if they end up drafting a Jaden Daniels out of LSU or a JJ McCarthy out of that school up north. Like there's th- anybody who steps into Atlanta. You got you got no excuses. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing you didn't mention. And I don't know how far it goes. If you are one of these. Hey, if if, uh, if you touch the hem of McVay's garment, everything is better. Oh, the I don't know if you're one of those people. The but you got Zach Robinson. Yeah, yeah, Zach Robinson, yeah. who is from the McVay yeah. tree, there with Raheem yeah. Morris, and so that is a. You've got. That's why people have got put everything Kirk there because of that. You yeah. got everything you could possibly need. What? And you're right, uh, Michael. What you said. Any quarterback, any quarterback who goes to Atlanta, you know you've got uh, an offensive mind there at, at at the coordinator position who's had some success or has been around success. You know, knows how to put it together, and if he doesn't know. He should because he's watched somebody put it together over the years. So you've got that. You've got all this offensive talent and you've got um, you've got a the, the holes you have on your roster should be easy enough to fill. Not easy or easier to fill than some of the gaping ones. Like it's, it's hard yeah. to find a quarterback. It's hard to find uh, a, a really good tight end like Kyle Pitts. I mean, like a really good, really good wide receiver. But linemen, they probably need some help on 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 the lines, offensive and defense and defensive lines. Sure. You should be able to find yeah. them. So yeah, at Terry Fontenot and staff, 
Help out the cause. I, I, I like it. I think Atlanta so, would be the best spot. I don't know about Pittsburgh, though. I see Pittsburgh on that see, list. I do, I don't, I don't I do know like, I like Pittsburgh. That. I do like Pittsburgh yeah. for Fields. Yeah, because, you know, Kenny yeah, Pickett, Smith Mason there. Rudolph. Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, and um, Mitchell Trubisky. That post-Ben Roethlisberger gone. experiment. No, no, no. I'm saying that post-Ben Roethlisberger experiment yeah. notwithstanding, when you want to talk about a team and an organization that knows how to support quarterbacks in, a, in the old-fashioned way with a typically effective running game. I know it hasn't always been the case lately. And a typically dominant defense, historically dominant defense over the, over the, over the, the generations is what Pittsburgh is going to have. So for me, and stability at the head coach position, new offensive coordinator, as you pointed out, but there's stability at the head coach position where I feel like if he's going to go somewhere and be successful, but not have, you know, the, the weight of an entire franchise on his shoulders, not be seen as a savior, but more or less be seen as a, as a, as a, as a cog in a machine in the steel city. I think Pittsburgh is a, is a great place to revitalize one's career. Here's a question. And, and I think this is a big question for only Justin Fields can answer this and he needs to answer it honestly. Who, who does he see himself as? How does he, how does he describe himself as a quarterback? For real, don't tell people what they want to hear. What do you say to yourself? And those quiet conversations is just Justin Fields and Justin Fields. And you're saying, and you're complaining about the situation or you're bemoaning like that you're in this, you're in this position. What are you saying about yourself that people don't see? Because if you go to Pittsburgh, and the reason I ask that question is very important. If you think, hey, I'm a guy who can, uh, if, if I'm put in the right situation, I can manage an offense. And then Arthur Smith says, yeah, like Ryan Tannehill, like I did with Ryan Tannehill, I revived his career. Uh, a, a guy who's former wide receiver turned into a quarterback fast, got some athletic ability. Hey, we got yeah. to, uh, we, we won a lot of games with Ryan Tannehill. They did. And he thinks, did. nah, that's not quite it. If he thinks he's something else, like if he sees himself as a Josh Allen, mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes, does that bother you? I mean, it's good, it's ambitious, but is that is it also is that what he is? Because that, cause Michael, honestly, I don't know what he is. He surprised me. I told you this before. He has yeah. surprised me. I thought he would be the op the what he has become in the pros. I thought the opposite. I thought he had no mm -hmm. problem throwing the ball. I watched mm -hmm. him in college. I thought he had no problem throwing, and I didn't think he'd be so much of a runner. You didn't think he'd but be one of the, the pros, best running quarterbacks we've ever seen. He's a great <laughs> runner, yeah. and he is such yeah. a spotty, inconsistent, unreliable. Yeah. That's I guess that's called. He's an unreliable passer. I didn't think he would be that. So I don't know what Justin Fields is. I think so in I would Chicago, imagine, you, you could work with them, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I would hope that in those quiet moments and deep down in places we don't talk about at parties that he says, I just want to win because like it doesn't matter what he thinks he is. If he's not in a successful situation or if he's not set up a success, he'll be a journeyman. Um, here's the good news mm. to close out this conversation. Uh, yeah. We'll hear from Justin Fields. I don't think it's come out as of this conversation where you and I are talking at about 1030 on Wednesday morning. Uh, but it's a, a conversation 
uh, with Justin Fields has been teased in which he Love will it. explain why he unfollowed the Bears. And uh, and here's that clip. Since wait, since we're here, hold on. But I mean, what's we're not. The, what's, no, 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 no. Since we're here, all right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because. All right, as we like to say around here, brother from another, go be great somewhere else, Justin Fields. If the Bears do in fact decide to move on and start over yet again at quarterback. Oh, this is the one thing I didn't say about Fields is ultimately I believe he's gotten something of a raw deal, both in terms of being a young quarterback, not given enough time to develop, but also not always given the support and the infrastructure needed to develop. And, you know, some of that's on him, but uh, I just think ultimately he got a wrong deal. A raw deal, I beg your pardon. Speaking of raw deals, a mm. full week has passed and we have never addressed this. Uh, I text you when the news broke because you called it, uh, I guess, days before it happened. You called it like right after the Super Bowl um, that your spidey sense was telling you that Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers would make Steve Wilkes the fall guy that he would once again get a raw deal uh, as a coach and sure enough the Niners moved on from defensive coordinator coordinator Steve Wilkes and in case you need receipts here's Michael Holly calling in unfortunately being right I hope I'm wrong on this this is, a, this is an observation I've had throughout the playoffs throughout the season and I brought it up before kind of like being a little sarcastic, but I think there's something there. I think there's something there between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes. And I think one of the changes San Francisco will make, I hope I'm wrong. I think they're going to go in a different direction. They're not really on the same page philosophically no, when I, it comes to their defense. D'Amico Ryans has something different. Robert Sala had something different. And Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make some kind of personnel change. I'm just. Well, I, 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 I too hope you. Yeah, what I was saying is I too hope that you're wrong. Turned out that you were right. Yeah. Uh, let's unpack it. It's a story as old as time. Let's unpack it. It is. It is a story as old as time and Michael, uh, you said something about quarterbacks and you, you talked about with Justin Fields. It's the infrastructure and it's the supporting cast. Everything is not right. You go into a situation and you are expected to thrive when things around you are not quite right, but the focus is on you and nobody. If you say, hey, well, what, how about that? That's broken. Or why do we do it this way? Why don't we change it up? Or I've got a different idea. You're the problem. You're making excuses. Oh, why don't you just do the job like everybody else or whatever? Nobody really looks at what you're saying. And that's just, I guess that's professional. That's professional sports. Sometimes that's life. But I would say start with Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, there's a reason we sat here uh, a couple of years ago and nodded our heads when Brian Flores came out with a lawsuit against the NFL, their hiring practices were not 
uh, advantageous. We're not uh, we're, we're, we're not open to always open and free for black coaches. That was a lawsuit a couple years. I was in black the first day of black history month. I think it was two years ago. Was it February 2022? I believe it was we were on the air and I nodded my head and I said, oh, there's a lot more here. Steve Wilkes is a part of that lawsuit and he should be. So let's start with Steve Wilkes. His story really is so familiar. Let's start with Arizona. He goes, Mm -hmm. he takes over a team that was already declining. They had gone Mm -hmm. to the conference championship game with Bruce Arians the head coach. They won 13 games. That was a couple years before the next year. They won seven games next year. They won eight games. They bring in Steve Wilkes first season. He wins three games. They draft the wrong quarterback Josh Rosen. They draft him and they fire mm-hmm. Steve Wilkes after a year. Franchise yep. already in decline. They fire him after right. one year. General, and, oh, General I don't know Michael. issues. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, you know <laughs> yeah. what they did? Ownership. Yeah. They fixed the quarterback. They fix the quarterback. They get Josh Rosen out after a year and yeah. they bring in Kyler Murray. And so yep. they bring in Kyler Murray and bring, and bring in Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. And Cliff Kingsbury, correct. And go from three wins to five because that's what happens sometimes when you are taking over a franchise that's rebuilding that first year. It's good. It might be three to six. D'Amico Ryan's got lucky uh, and give him credit, but most of the time it doesn't work that way. So Steve Wilkes is yeah. out and once again, that opportunity. He is not given any type of grace. He is not allowed to build it. He's not allowed to say, hey, I do it this way. A first year coach. And then when he goes to Carolina, we talked about this last year. Once mm-hmm. again, he is put into a situation. That's a mess. He's in a My messy interim. situation. I mean, yep. the interim coach. I don't have a training camp. I don't have my own assistant coaches. I can't right. sit down. I don't even have time to sit down and yep. cast visions for you because you just put me on this treadmill that's already going and it's going pretty quickly and you want me to salvage the situation. And you know what I did? I salvaged it in 12 games. I went 500 for a team that was going nowhere. I mm-hmm. gave them direction and the owner comes in and says, hey, I want an offensive mind and I'm going to hire all these offensive coaches. I could have done right. that. I could have been there for yeah. that. Well, but how'd that work so, out for him? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and so here they are with the number one pick again. Steve Wilkes goes on. And this is, this is really a story about be careful who you work for, who you work with, and be careful of the opportunities that look appetizing, that look attractive. Be careful about signing up for those. Because if you think about this, I'm just going to say this is a fact. Kyle Shanahan said this. I'm not making this up. Kyle Shanahan said they he wanted Steve Wilkes to run the same scheme that Robert Sala did right. and that D'Amico Ryan did. He wanted to. Steve, yep. this is not your scheme. I want yep. you to do something different. Okay. I want you to do something different. Oh, I'll do something different. I'll come in. I'll run this scheme. I lead the league in takeaway. My defense. I'm third on defense. They were first last year. They gave up 16 something points a game last year. This year they gave up 17. I go to the Super Bowl and we go to overtime with Patrick Mahomes and we lose by three points. The guy across the field who also did a great job, Steve Spagnolo, just like I did, 
He gets a contract extension. I get fired. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you mean to tell me, Michael, if he had, if Steve Wilkes, if they had stopped him on fourth down, do they fire him? Would he have been? Is it still not a good fit? That'd have been balls. Kyle Janis, it's not. (laughs) That would have been balls. This hurts me. This (laughs) hurts me. (laughs) You're gonna fire him in the parade? Like, yeah, that would have been right. Right, great guy. Doubtful. Doubtful. So what is this? What is this? This is just. I, I, and I told you the other day off the air, I'll tell you on the air, I was thinking about this driving and I was just getting so mad. I was getting so mad because it's not a football story. It's not a football story. Uh, it's an employment story. And unfortunately, uh, if you want to understand why Black History Month is important, this is something that, that black folks in a number of industries have dealt with many times. It's so familiar. It's so familiar to many of us. Not all of us. I can't yeah. speak for black America. I'm not even trying to, but many people listening to us said, yeah, yeah, that's about right. That's how it works. And so now uh, we've got to talk about uh, hey, Steve Wilkes. Oh, you know, hey, listen, remember there was that game in Minnesota. He called that zero blitz. Yeah, you know, there was that one. And, uh, you know, uh, then there was Kyle Shanahan calling that timeout in the Super Bowl. Okay. But we're not gonna we're not gonna look at the big picture of a guy who was asked to come in and do something different, and he did successfully. And they got to the Super Bowl. They got to the Super. They Bowl. get to the Super they got Bowl. Got to overtime, and they lost to Patrick Mahomes. Like I said the other day, against the best quarterback. What you, what you what you predicted yeah. is great coaches get people fired, oftentimes unfairly. It, wow, nice job, guys. Um, and so, um, so you just preached a sermon. You talk about the real sermon of Steve Wilkes' story. You just preached a sermon. And as the grandson of a Baptist pastor, uh, I know better than to try to preach after somebody has already preached. So I will try to make the, I'll, I'll be brief. <laughs> Famous last words from a, from a minister. I'll, I'll come, keep this come, brief. Do the, do the, Before I close. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> briefly, then, yeah. As brief, I close. Then I'll take my seat. No, you won't. Give it a benediction. Hour, Give us a benediction. Hour later. <laughs> hour later. Can this be another example of the plight of black coaches in the NFL? And I still understand it. I still understand the move. Is that possible for, for both things to be? It Can could those be. Two things yes. coexist. Here's why. And I'm not disagreeing or arguing with or uh, countering or, or contradicting or, you know, anything that you just said. All facts. We agree on this. He was scapegoated. He was the fall guy. If they'd have won, I have a hard time believing that Kyle Shanahan would have done this. He might have done it in the middle of next season. So a couple of things to point out. And this doesn't mean, look, this doesn't mean that. See, because I remember when the Brian Flores thing happened. A lot of people pointed out that the Dolphins had and still have a black general manager. And <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there's oh some Lord. sophisticated I'm right. I'm sure there's some sophisticated term that escapes me right now. Maybe I don't even know that explains a phenomenon, yeah. which I guess I'll just reduce to simply, but I have black friends <laughs> or I know black people <laughs> when, it, when it comes yeah. to racism, when it comes to institutional racism. I'm sure there's some term for that, right? Like, you know, like I don't have a racist bone in my body. See, you know, well, no, you can still commit acts of racism and perpetuate institution institutional racism despite your 
uh, connections with black people and other people of color. I only say that because I'm about to point out San Francisco's history when it comes to black coaches and executive executives in recent years, which is so stellar that they have made an industry out of profiting off of the draft picks associated with their black executives and coaches going on to get jobs elsewhere. Most recently, D'Amico Ryans, for example, his predecessor as defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. All right. So I just, I just, and I just feel like Salah. They got it with Salah. I, I, I feel they like, I feel like, now that Brandon doesn't Carson mean, on. that doesn't yeah. mean that Steve Wilkes, Wilkes's race is not a factor, but I do feel like we need to point out in, how they do things in San Francisco. So I think the yeah. real issue here, more than anything, specifically to San Francisco, is he had, he had big shoes to fill, to fill schematically. Sala, Ryan's, there's a standard and there's a synergy and a simpatico that they've had between the offensive and defensive coordinator there, or the head coach and the defensive coordinator there, that maybe was just off this time. Okay? That's one. Hmm. Two, my bigger issue is not that Steve Wilkes was fired as San Francisco's defensive coordinator. It's that he's a defensive coordinator to begin with. To your original point, this man is a head coach. He should be a head coach. He's already proven to be a capable defensive coordinator. He should be a head coach. Put him in the same bucket as Eric Bieniemy when we talk about the poster children for this issue. Like he should be a head coach by now. And what what worries me, what vexes me, is that when this type of thing happens, he gets, for lack of a better phrase, blackballed. And now this 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 is this is a mark on his resume. This is this is like now he's been fired, and now he has to you know rebuild his career. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. we thought San Francisco was a soft landing for him after he got a raw deal in Carolina. Unfortunately. One and done, so he should this be a head be coach. Worse. He never, he never should have been this available might, to San Francisco. This might be more of a, a raw deal. coordinator. Uh, this yeah, might be more no, of it a might raw be. deal than Carolina, right? Because because typically, because typically interim coaches, especially black interim coaches, you know, Antonio Pierce is an outlier. Like like that's he's the exception, not the rule. Like you typically are, you know, they're already looking for the next guy anyway. You know, black or white, but especially with black coaches. You're right. This is probably worse, especially given that they were just in the Super Bowl. So I say that to say, um, he should be a head coach. Carolina should have kept him on as head coach. He should get more. He should have gotten and should get more consideration for head coach, because I think oftentimes what happens, and I think this is why a lot of owners screw up. And there's one owner in particular that I do want to applaud, and we talked about the team a minute ago, but we didn't mention the head coach. Too many owners want coaches who are, well, young and white and having worked for Sean McVay, first and foremost, but, or, or been connected or to Kyle Sean Shanahan. McVay, first and foremost, or Kyle yeah. Shanahan. Um, yeah. But beyond that, they want the hot guy. They want the guy that had the number one defense. They want the guy that had the, the best, you know, the, or the number one offense, I beg your pardon. The, the, the next, the Ben Johnsons of the world. They want the, they want the, the Wonderkins, right? Instead of give me a coach who's been through some stuff. Give me a coach who's experienced it all. 
Give me a coach just yes. like a pastor who's been through some stuff in life who can That's speak right. from experience highs and lows, exactly. which is why you're preaching about it because you've been through it, which is why we didn't even talk about it. We talked about the Atlanta Falcons with Justin Fields, Raheem Morris. Hopefully Steve Wilkes and I will as I close. Hopefully Steve Wilkes is Raheem Morris as in it wasn't that long ago when Arthur Blank. I'm old enough to remember Arthur Blank saying yeah, if Raheem Morris goes undefeated. He can get the job. Ah, yes. Ooh. Life is funny sometimes. So hopefully yeah. whether it's the next owner in Carolina or whether it's some other team. Steve Wilkes is sojourn this wilderness that he's in in his professional career right now. He will end up being where he should have been all along, but being a better situation or the right situation because maybe it was the best thing for him. Now I am preaching. Maybe it was the maybe he wasn't rejected. He was redirected. Maybe it was the best thing for him not to get that head coaching job in Carolina because look at that owner and we talked about David Tepper. Maybe it was the best yeah. thing for him for Kyle Shanahan not to keep him around. This is what faith is about. This ain't this ain't gonna be, it ain't gonna be easy. Faith ain't just accepting the blessings, you know. Like it, it is like, wait a minute. This is what's best for me. I trust you that this is what's best for me to not be in San Francisco, regardless of how successful they are as an organization. Maybe this 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 partnership with Kyle Shanahan ain't right for me. This ain't where I'm supposed to be. Steve Wilkes. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm going to go be great somewhere else. So maybe Kyle Shanahan, just like David Tepper before him, did Steve Wilkes a favor. Maybe we might not like it. Maybe. But ultimately, Steve Wilkes may wind up and hopefully, prayerfully, will wind up the same way Raheem Morris has with the job he was supposed to have. Had to go through some things well, in the interim, no pun intended, but maybe Steve Wilkes, that's, that's my hope and prayer for Steve Wilkes and other coaches like him. That he ends up where hey, he's listen. supposed to be. Because if Kyle Shanahan couldn't appreciate you or David Tepper couldn't appreciate you, you don't belong there. The doors well, of the church are open. I will say this. I, I, well, in <laughs> some churches, some churches they talk back. And preachers say, talk, hey, hey, talk back to me if you can. Some preachers say that. Am I, some right. church. Am I preaching to myself? If I preach to myself, yeah, if I preach, right. <laughs> uh, now, uh, some churches, because uh, I went to Catholic school, it was funny. I go to Catholic school, then go to. Uh, go to uh, my, my folks' church on weekends. Catholic school, there hey, ain't no talking back in Catholic church. Ain't <laughs> talking back in there. Hey, now, you, now you recite it as a group. Hey, you know, you recite the prayers as a group, the Apostles' Creed, but you ain't but talking Michael, back just during a homily. You ain't Michael, just going to speak just, up and be like, that's right. Be, 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 before, you, before you get the last word on that, I just want to make sure I'm clear on something. Like, do you understand where I'm coming from? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm in no way absolving. Oh, no, I got you. No, no, you're right. 100% right. The fact no, that no. this is generally an issue for black coaches. But I the, spe got the specific yeah, yeah. circumstances, I think, required a little more nuance. And honestly, I'm just at a yeah. place in my life, man, where I'm just like, you know what? Like, what's for me is for me. And what's for Steve Wilkes is for Steve Wilkes. Yeah, yeah. I would say, and, and San, to your point, San Francisco has, you know, that those compensatory picks, no matter how you feel about them, like, oh, are you going to profit off right. this thing? <laughs> what? But they, <laughs> right. exactly. they have, exactly. they have sent a lot of executives and coaches to other places and have received these compensatory picks because whether it's Mike McDaniel, whether it's D'Amico Ryan's, uh, right. uh, uh, whether it's uh, Rand Carthon, Crazy, as I said, a lot of crazy Adolfo Mensa, like, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, executives, well, like, yeah, on. absolutely, right. But I just want to point out last thing, I promise, this is the last thing on it. Um, I hope you're right, Pastor. This is what I was Sorry. saying. Talk back in church. I, I hope you're right. Yes, I'm. 
Yes, you're preaching. Good. Yeah, you got it. Um, but I do want to point out, and I know God works in so many ways. Mysterious His ways, ways are, are not yeah, our ways. Right. Yeah. His thoughts are not our yeah. thoughts. <laughs> not our thoughts. Okay. All right. I do know that there's a financial piece of this as well. You say you should be a head coach. Head coaches make more money than defensive coordinators. And then yeah. when he was briefly oh God. a head coach, he was like, yeah. so think about it. Head coach for the one The generational year. wealth that we've been That's denied? Right. Well, yes. One year oh, yeah. in yeah. Arizona versus the four that Cliff Kingsbury got. And Kingsbury got a right. contract extension, then got fired. So he's there for four yeah. years. He gets an extension along with the general manager who fired Steve Wilkes. Mm -hmm. They both got extensions. Steve Wilkes oh, is yeah. one and done. So think about the, the, the financial difference there. The now let's go to deep. Carolina. Yeah. Let's yeah. go to Carolina. Six and yeah. six. I turned this around. Hey, Frank Reich ain't smelled six wins. Okay. Right. He ain't smelled it right. in Carolina. But he, he gets a big contract. contract. He gets yeah. a fully that guaranteed still, contract that he still gets paid. Never for. reaches yeah. six. He's out. Yeah. He just there counting yeah. his money. Yeah, no, so, that's that's the real issue when it comes to this. This that's the real that's the underlying yeah. part that does not get talked about enough. The amount of money that and that's you want to talk about that's universal. The amount of money, whether whether you're in corporate America or the NFL, the amount of money that black families have been denied because of, of and, not being promoted. And so for those properly. for those who doubt it and deny it, like oh that can't be. Whether you're talking mm. about the, the 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 dollars earned or like cents on a dollar, you know, when you're talking about men and women, when you're talking about black men and white men, uh, uh, black black women and white women, the the differences. How could this mm -hmm. be? Well, I just gave you one example. That's just one example right there. That's just a breakdown. But just multiply that in different in different areas, different mm -hmm. industries. And that's how we get where we are. That's one of the reasons we are where we are. Yep. Um, well, listen, man, we are. I'm, I'm glad we revisited that. Um, I know it's been on, I know it's been on your heart since it happened. You, again, yeah. you called it. We and we, and we yeah. both like, yeah, hope, hope you're wrong. But it's like you can see it since the Minnesota game that there was a disconnect there. There was a disconnect, you know? And, uh, and, and and trust me, don't get it twisted. Me being optimistic that there's something better for Steve Wilkes does not I hope make so. it any more right. Does not make it right. But yeah, doesn't make, yeah, doesn't but make that, it right. See, that's but see to bring it back to bring it back. That is uh, that's not uh, that's not optimism. That's faith. That's just faith. That's your faith. Yeah. And yours and mine. Yeah. And we don't know how it's gonna happen. But we know what it happened. I'm, I'm just, I got so excited about Raheem Morris. We even talked about Bill Belichick getting shut out, which I kind of sort of told you that. Uh, but like, I love that they went back to Raheem. Raheem is the coach I'm talking about. Raheem didn't been through it. He didn't been there, done that, got the t-shirt. He didn't been through everything. He didn't been the new hotness. He didn't been a coordinator. <laughs> he didn't coach yep. receivers. He didn't been the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good teams, bad teams. When they called, I said, I think you, you, I don't understand why you're doing this, you know. Um, and they said, you know, one of the things they said was, well, it doesn't matter. We're, we've done it now. And um, we, we, we want you. And, and so that was a tough one. I didn't, I, that was, that's where you had the hesitation. That's a goodwill, Yahoo Sports. Good word with goodwill. It is good to see you, man. Like, Mike, and you may, you may, you may, you, I know you feel me on this. Like, once upon a time, Vinny, once upon a time, like, everybody loved Doc Rivers. Everybody loved Glenn Doc yeah. Rivers, right? He was, he, was, yeah. he, was like our, he, was, he was our president before Barack Obama was our president. Maybe not. I don't know. The point is, like, we love, everybody just loved Doc. Doc is polarizing, man. Like, people come for Doc's head now. Um, and some people rush to his defense, like Doc Rivers epitomizes the phrase can't win for losing to me at this point in his career. Um, what is your read on this entire situation? And, and, and in all seriousness, Vinny, like I can't think of a bigger story than whether Doc is able to get the most out of this Bucks roster over the remainder of the regular season and into the playoffs. I can't think of a bigger NBA storyline as we turn the page, we'll come back to the All-Star game and All-Star weekend in a second, which you would air. But as we look ahead to the, to the remainder of the regular season in the playoffs, I can't think of a bigger storyline, uh, uh, one that has more tension around it than Doc Rivers replacing Adrian Griffin, stu- uh, stumbling out of the gate, and now everybody and their mama has an opinion about not just Doc in Milwaukee, but Doc's body of work, or who he is, his character even. I know it was a lot, but take that wherever you want to go, Vinny. Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's wild, Michael. Um, first off, we just talk about the Bucks, right? Normally, when you think about interim coaches coming in, they've usually been in that seat next to the head coach when the head coach got fired. So there's a level of familiarity that you have with the coaching staff and with the team and with the players and how things go. Doc came in from the outside, kind of, sort of, right? Because Adrian Griffin had mentors and people that he talked to throughout his rookie season. And I believe that Doc was one of those guys that the Bucks brought in to sort of mentor him. So there there was a level of proximity. Now do I think that Doc Rivers, when he's talking about, hey, I didn't want to take the job and all this, I think he's trying to do right by Griffin, not make it seem like he stabbed the guy in the back. I think it's he's protesting too much. He's trying to make 
Yeah, yeah. I think he's trying to make it look, not to try to make it look good, but he doesn't want to make it seem like he came for this guy's job. And whether it did or didn't happen, I think it would be in bad form if he acted like it was something that he wanted all along. Like you said, can't win for right. losing. There's no proper way to answer this question. Now to the basketball on the floor. And this is where Doc Rivers' history of being the 3-1 coach comes in to help and hurt him. Here's how it hurts him. It hurts him in a mental way. When you have a 3-1 lead, all of a sudden, Doc's voice just becomes like mine. It gets real ashy, right? All of a sudden, that's that's what happens. The team, the team gets real ashy, and it's like, okay, you're going to blow this lead because you've had the history of those things. And in a lot of those situations, Doc's team was never the favorite. You know, like, I'm not going to hold the Orlando Magic losing to the one-seeded Detroit Pistons with, with Tracy McGrady and, you know, a bunch of nobodies against the number one-seeded Pistons team. And there was a, you know, and you look at some of the other 3-1 leads, Chris Paul has never been known as a quote-unquote champion. Joel Embiid and James Harden have had their playoff struggles. Ben, yeah, yeah. Ben, like, those things have happened independent of Doc Rivers right. and what he's done throughout right. his he just career. Happen, he just so happens to be the common denominator. Yeah, it, it's put it like this. Here's here's the back end of that, though, right? Like, I, I have a story. Like, I have a friend of mine who I went to high school, and he was like a close friend through college. And he was always around some mess. It was always something. It was always a story. <laughs> it was like, it was like, man, it, it wasn't me. I just happened to be around it. And I'm like, bro, you can't be in the wrong place at the wrong time every damn time. So when I right. bailed him out of jail, I was like, this is it, dog. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Like, like one time can be a coincidence. You know, the micro creates the macro. And the micro always mm -hmm. has a reason, but the macro always tells a story. And I think that's the thing with Doc Rivers. The positive, and I know I'm going long, the positive oh, yeah. here is with Giannis and Dame, those are two superstars you don't have to beg to play. Those are two superstars you don't have to tell them on a night-to-night -night basis. You have to be excellent. And I think that can bode well in a playoff situation. Hopefully those guys are healthy. One thing with the Clippers, you didn't know if Blake was going to be healthy. You didn't know if Chris Paul was going to be healthy. And even with the the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard Clippers, that 3-1 lead, A, you lost to Nikola Jokic. B, it was in the bubble when them dudes did not want to be there. I don't know how much I hold that against them. But in the Eastern Conference where everything seems topsy-turvy, that team has the highest ceiling out of everybody, and that's including the Boston Celtics. You know, right. you know it's funny, uh, Vinny, before you came on, uh, I said to Michael when we were talking about Steve Wilkes, I said, be careful about the opportunities that you take. Because if, if you have a choice, now, sometimes you ain't got a choice. You know, hey, I need a job. This job's available. This is what I got, and I'm just going to take it. But it's it's funny that, that Mike says he's polarizing. He is. Doc's polarizing. And you think about it, he's polarizing from all... Here's another common denominator. Every job he takes... He is expected to turn something around. And he usually does, but then it reaches a point where he can't do it and it's held against him. Orlando, he was coach of the year. They, that team had had no low expectations. As you said, they take on the Pistons and they lose. They should have. They had no business being there. Boston was a mess. He turned Boston around KG and Ray and Paul. So it gets them to a championship. The Clippers were the Clippers. The Clippers were a joke. He, he, he took Donald Sterling's money. This was no Steve mm -hmm. Ballmer. He took Donald Sterling's Clippers 
and turn them around. You know, he goes to Philadelphia. He gets them against Joel Embiid and MVP, but I mean, they pretty much the same. He didn't get them to the conference finals, but he inherited a mess. And then finally, where he is now, in the middle of the season, you got Dame and you got Giannis, but it's do something for us, Doc. He, and when he doesn't do it, when he doesn't get them to a championship, I guess that's it. When he doesn't deliver a championship, people are like, what the hell is up with that dude? It's funny how it works. Uh, yeah, I mean, can you can you make any sense of it? Well, well can no, I, can I, 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 no, I want, I want to go to Mike. Yeah, because Mike has got the face. He's got I'm, the I'm, face I'm, of all I'm faces right now. I'm, I'm, no, I'm processing. I'm processing. But both of you intelligent brothers have just broken down for me. I think I think we'd all agree that while we may be able to look back and qualify or explain away some of these postseason shortcomings, Doc's own shortcomings, Doc's own schematic shortcomings have been part of the problem. So sure. If I'm here, okay, so if I'm hearing, so if I'm hearing both of Not you, flawless. though, Not okay, flawless. great. So if I'm hearing both of you, though, maybe is it possible to be overrated and underappreciated at the same time? <laughs> is it, it no it's Vinny? funny you were saying because in my head no because in, in my head I was going to say he's neither overrated nor underrated like it's neither extreme like the people who go in on him for all the 3-1 stuff that's a bit unfair now the people who say you know he's a top five coach of all time or whatever the case may be or he's going to turn mm -hmm. everything around mm -hmm. that's a, overstating it a bit too mm -hmm. I do think mm -hmm. that Doc had Doc's thought is, we have a good plan. Execute the plan better, and we will be fine. If you're Dean Smith, that sounds really great. If you're Doc Rivers and you're blowing leads, it sounds like you're not adjusting. You know what I mean? Like, what's plan yeah. B? Do yeah. plan yeah. A better. You know, it's such yeah. a weird thing. And, yeah, when you got J.J. Reddick and Austin Rivers, I will tell you this fun thing as an aside, as three, as three black male journalists here in this business, wasn't the advantage of athletes being on air was that they had the experience of being in the trenches and they didn't have the personal vandellas that us journalists <laughs> uh, purportedly right. had as opposed to us right. journalists having a sober mind and sober takes and all this. And now you see mud slinging from one hour to the next from former players and sons. Things that make you go, hmm. That's a whole other conversation. I will just echo that a good Vinny, by saying these athletes fire off way more hot takes than we ever did in the history of this here industry. They're way more reckless, unresearched, and uninformed than we ever were. There's a lot of them that's just out here just like going. You're absolutely right with that, which leads me to my next topic. Because, I mean, I guess George Cole trying to get a job. Like, I guess I guess he I guess he he, he wants some attention because I Carmelo when Carmelo Anthony said we'll play it in a second. What Carmelo Anthony said was so innocuous in many respects. Where for George Carl to come at him and make it personal really is worse than anything Carmelo Anthony said. Like Carmelo, you're talking about don't protest too much. Like Carl, right. Carl, George Carl's response was unnecessarily low. Like talk about bringing a knife to a gunfight. Um, here's what Carmelo Anthony had to say. 
oh, we was going to have issues. The first day he got the job. He got the job a couple days before we played Milwaukee Bucks. So the whole thing was, I'm not coaching no game. I, my first game, I wanted to be against Milwaukee Bucks. Cool. Go back home. They f***ed you over over there. I, I know the business. I know the game at the, you know. And I, I really don't know the game when he came to the team. It's, I'm 21 now. Mm. All I know, I got a big name coach coming. George Carl, Coach Milwaukee, Coach Seattle, Gary Payton. You know what I mean? All of, all of that. We get to Milwaukee after sh after shoot around, call me to his room and tell me, "Hey man, look, I think you overrated. Like, I, I, you have a lot of work." <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. First sentence. Listen. <laughs> nah. Nah. Embarrassing. Look at this. Look at this. They don't even want to look at you, baby. No. Yo. Nah, yo. So then George Carl just like uh, just attacks Melo about like, you know, happy birthday, Nikola Jokic, the greatest player to ever win number 15 and Nuggets. Like that's just unnecessary. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, then saying, you know. Then saying, I you mean, should, you are overrated. He said, No, let's not do this, I mean, Melo. You you were overrated. Like what? I mean, this is like he out here doing polls. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm low key impressed that George Carl knows how to do a poll on Twitter. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Uh, not the stereotype, but it's like, look at this. Here know, it is. Here it is. Deadlift shrimp out here catching, well, not catching strays, but I mean, you know, like he's like, yo, I'm minding my own business. Don't pull me into this. But it's just like Deadlift. What, what is, what is like going on here? Why, I like why does this beef? But come on, I, we all did. It was great. Why did this? Why does this beef run so deep to where George Call was triggered this badly? Like, enlighten us, enlighten us, Vinny. I wish this I another guy. This to... another guy, by the way. This another guy like Doc Rivers, but different. That former oh, players, they they let, come they let, come from George take Call. This one. Oh, you got let it. Let me okay, take this. Go one. Ahead. Oh yeah, I got go it. Ahead. I got it. The reason is. George Carl and I don't get it. Now you want to talk about overrated? Mm. Not only overrated, but lacks humility, lacks mm. awareness of why he's in the position that he's in. Okay, now let's just let's put him on the split screen with Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, I'm not saying this is essential in basketball because Eric Spolster didn't play in the NBA and I think he's a hell of a coach. Uh, and, but he knows it. He knows that he's a grinder. He looks at himself that way. I'm a grinder. I was in the Pat Riley system and I worked my way up and I've earned the respect of the players that I have and I'm a good coach. I'm a great coach. George Carl played for Dean Smith and that's it. He has never had any humility. He has never won a championship and he has always trolled his players. It Carmelo ain't the only one. He did the same thing. He did the same thing Boogie. with Ray Allen. Yeah. He did the, I, I mean, on and on. He just goes at players as if he has that standing and he doesn't. You didn't. You weren't a player at all. You didn't, you weren't, you weren't anything as a as a basketball player in the pros. Uh, mm -hmm. You've never won a championship as a coach. Um. You've never really reached out and and um, you know made a player feel like, hey, okay, 
uh, I can I can be better than than the talent that I have. I can. He's not a gracious personality. He's a shit talker, and this and, is and, what and he his, has done. And in his reaction, Vinny confirming. I mean, I didn't listen to the whole conversation from Melo, but what Melo and others have said about him, doesn't his reaction kind of like prove their point? I mean, Melo, Kenyon Martin, like a, a lot of those guys. It's, the weirdest thing is, look, he took Seattle to the NBA Finals. He got the Milwaukee Bucks to within a game of the NBA Finals. He got the Denver Nuggets to the Conference Finals. Like, it's he's been a, a really successful coach in a bunch of different places. And you're right, he comes from that Dean Smith tree. But none of those other dudes kick it like him. As abrasive as Larry Brown can be, you never really hear people talk about Larry like that. Even Allen Iverson has a reverence for Larry Brown. And those two battled. I think George Carr, remember this, Al? Remember George Carr had those cancer scares where, mm -hmm. you know, he became a sympathetic figure. And now yeah. he's run out of all that sympathy. And it's not that Carmelo Anthony is super popular amongst random NBA fans. Like some people think that he's a poster child in a bunch of different ways. And I think this podcast is helping humanize him in a lot of different ways because you're seeing him sort of take a step back, do some reevaluations. But from your first meeting of meeting with a player, if you want to tell a player there's things he needs to work on and he can be better, there's other ways to say it besides I think you're overrated. There's ways to say, you know what, Carmelo, you have superstar talent and superstar gifts. You're not using all of them. Let's right. help you get there as opposed to saying what he said. It becomes, lack of a better phrase, I don't know if I can say this on the air, like a dick measuring yeah, yeah. contest. At, 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 <laughs> yeah. every, at every stop, you say yes, yeah. I can. At, at every yeah. stop, well, it, just, it, feels, it feels very petty. It feels very insecure. It feels like he needs to knock people down to build himself up. And it, it seems beneath him, but I don't even know how far he goes. Maybe the bar is the floor for George Carl. Insecure yeah. is the word. I think. I think. Yeah. I think there's some insecurity there. And I, and Paul Pierce is another one. He went at Paul Pierce uh, when they were on the uh, some World Basketball, whatever, some some tournament. I can't remember what it was back in the day. But he just. Oh yeah, yeah. He he gets off on going at stars and that's why it, mm. insecurity is is my number one flag there because yeah. he wasn't one he wasn't one mm. so you know maybe it's this whole thing of i gotta knock you down i gotta make you make you know that i'm in control whatever it is or i can make your life miserable but i just he's yeah. just got a whole career of this and he's got nothing to back it up i mean if you look at his entire career yeah seattle yeah, you know, you're right, Vinny. There were several 60 win seasons there, but okay, you ain't got a chip, dog. You're like, what, what, why are you talking so much trash? You ain't done nothing. All right, um, leaving that there. So, hey, Vinny, uh, the other day, Michael and I were just kind of like, you know, we're talking about like old people greetings. You know, can't complain, blessed and highly favored. I can't call it another day, another dollar, so on and so forth. Speaking of old people, it could have been an uncle, somebody in the neighborhood, a family friend, hell, even a, a member of your immediate family. You know, the old dude that was always working on a car that he never fixed, you know, had the cigarette hanging from his mouth. He was the, he was the mechanic, gave you a good deal, but he always had that one car that was on them blocks. Is there such a thing as a traveler, not a Delta? Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. 
so we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That he was working on that never got fixed. I bring that up because some cars just can't be fixed. I Mm. think the NBA All-Star Game might be a car that can't be fixed. Mm. That it just might be antiquated at this point. Your report was awesome about Larry Bird, Dr. J, and Andre Iguodala walking into the locker room, and and I don't think you use this word, but I'm going to use it for effect, imploring the players to compete (laughs) and it falling Mm -hmm. on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike and I talked about it on Monday. I, I, I just think it's... I just don't... I don't think we're ever going to get back to what it was. I think it's just a different day. I think it's had its time. I don't think there is a solution. I see people, I see polls all the time, which is probably more about engagement than anything. Uh, how do you fix the All-Star game? Shit, I was talking about a one-on-one tournament years ago as like just trying to go extreme ways of like doing something different. Like, I just don't know, given the way the game is played and given the problems that the league has had or thinks it has had, and then the, the, the policies that have been put in place to encourage or legislate regular season participation. I don't know that even with money, you can get players to play hard in an exhibition game. But on the other hand, I know these were regular season games dressed up as something else. We just saw a successful in-season tournament. So Vinny, I know you had your ear to the street. I'm sure you've been talking to people. You were in Indy. Would love to know what it was like you being in, in, in the building. Uh, and just your thoughts on first whether this can be fixed, and if so, how? Either from your vantage point or the people around the league that you're talking to all the time. You know, call me in the minority. I think it can be fixed, but I don't think it's a matter of you know one-on-one tournaments and everything else. Look, you can have a one-on-one tournament. You can have all the bells and whistles, but if the dudes don't give a damn, it doesn't matter what you right. do as far as a format. There's nothing you can format. do yeah. to, to, to juice something up if the players are intent, intentional. They're, you have to try hard to not play hard. You know what I mean? You have to try <laughs> really, really hard 
to not play hard. I'm serious. It's a bar. That's and, a good bar. And right for there. me, you got they got to go out of their way. Me, <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to go out of your way. And the thing for me is this: it's like I look a at the players. Yeah, it, boom. I look at the players' association, and these players have branded themselves as businessmen and individual corporations for a long time, right? They'll be the first to tell you, I am my own brand, I'm my own corporation, and all that. And they don't act like they have a business mind when it comes to this. They are in the middle, the NBA is in the middle of a media rights negotiation. All-Star Weekend is a huge part for all of those brands to come together. It is the second biggest output single event next to the NBA playoffs as far as a ratings and sponsorship standpoint. So you should know if you're a businessman, you should know how important it is. To me, guys, it speaks to a level of, I won't, it feels like there's a resentment. It feels like it's a, how dare you make me play hard? Or I should be more incentivized to play hard. The in-season tournament goes into, is baked into the regular season. And because right. it was a million dollars a player, players are going to go extra hard because of the guys at the end of the bench, their teammates that they're going to practice with and playing with every day who don't make that much money. You can't incentivize all-stars or bribe them rather when they're making 40 plus million dollars already. And you show them. Yeah. I I do. I I think in the social media world where there's Instagram and Twitter and all these ways for fans to come at players directly, they see all the things that people say. Right. So you look at the dunk contest where guys, where the stars don't want to get, go on the dunk contest is because they're worried about what Twitter bot is going to say. They're worried about being ridiculed by nameless, faceless person. So you translate that to the all-star game and it's how dare you who ridicules me and talk. All you do is talk about how I can't win a ring and how my game ain't this or that. How dare you ask me to play And then secondarily, and here's the other part, guys, and this is what I really want to get to. The Players Association, up until 2011, the Players Association, they got 57% of basketball-related income, 57%. Now it's at 50-50. The numbers, the salaries have risen, but they haven't made the gains. You just got out of a CBA where – I don't know what your gains were. So while the salaries have rise and guys are making an exorbitant amount of money, I'm wondering if there's a disconnect from the equity that's been put in by the players of previous generations that these guys are cashing in on and they're not actually investing and putting anything into. That would be the disappointing thing for me because all those guys – by and large, unless you're the international players, you grew up wanting to play in the all-star game. When these guys don't make the all-star game, they bitch and moan about how someone's doing them wrong. And then when they show up for the all-star game, they put a piss poor effort out there like that. So to me, it's a lack of respect for what's been laid before them and also a lack of consideration for the future that they're going to leave behind. So they don't want to play in the all-star game. They don't want to play in the game. They don't want to play in the game. They want to be a part of the weekend. They want to be a part of the party. Yeah. They want to be and, a part and part of it is and part of it is there's a, there's an exhaustion too, and this is why I give the players a little bit of grace because there's all these sponsorships, there's all these Nike activations and things that they have to do that probably come Sunday. Directions. They're pulling yeah. a lot of different directions. They're probably there's probably a level of mental exhaustion and get me out of here. But miss me, y'all, with the whole I don't want to get hurt. 
Because you remember the last time right. a player got hurt at the All-Star game? Because I don't. Right. right. Well, the other part, the resentment thing, it's like, and, and it sounds like you know what I was only thinking. Michael, we talked about this on Monday. It's like, does the All-Star, does the honor of and the recognition, even though, like you said, they bitch and complain when they're not, and there are oftentimes contractual implications for being named an All-Star, you forever introduced for the rest of your days as former NBA All-Star such and such, like, does it not mean what it once did? Because, like, the opposite of resentment and almost like this protest-type attitude is like, yo, it's just an honor and a privilege to be here. Is that not the case anymore with this current iteration of players? Because they seem to all appreciate being there until the ball is tipped in the air. I don't know what matters to guys anymore. And I'm not like being funny about it, seriously. I don't know what matters. And I wrote about it Sunday night. Because remember, there, it was almost like a graduation level thing where, you know, maybe young guys would go into the dunk contest and then they would graduate to sitting in the suits on Saturday night and jumping up and down during the dunk contest and three-point contest and being really active and engaged and involved. Now these dudes too cool to cheer. They too cool to even stand up for their peers who are out there and get excited. So to me, it's like they're not understanding or appreciating the fact that you have to push this forward. Because if I'm a fan and I spend my money there, or if I'm a fan and I want to view this, if you guys don't get excited, if you guys don't act like right. this is a big deal, why like should watching TV. I am, if y'all ain't interested in having fun, we ain't watching you. Yeah, hundred percent. No, and and they they owe it to the game. But like, I, and I also don't want to generalize though, Mike, because like Halliburton was having fun, Cat was having fun dropping thirty one in the fourth quarter. Dame, they yeah. it mattered to Dame. And he looked like he well, appreciated mattered, being All Star MVP, which goes on everybody. It matters when the ball's in your hands. But it's what it matters when the ball's in your hands. But it's it's what Benny said. It's like you don't know what matters to guys. Not to say it didn't matter to all those guys. It's mm -hmm. what matters what to you. Matters so Dame to came out and said, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Dame was like, "Hey, well, I'm, I'm gonna try to win the MVP. Why not?" And I'm sure Halliburton was thinking the same thing, and other guys. Uh, go out and say, I'm going to prove myself because I was named to this team late and uh, I, I, I'm going to show that I belong. And so you have all these yeah. uh, competing agendas and these thoughts and then just turns into a mess. And that's what it was. But, but, but Vinny, you said it matters when the ball is in your hands. Say more, please. No, it matters because you want to shoot and score. Like showing that, it, yeah. that an all-star game and competing matters. That's talking about defending. That's talking about literally looking the guy in the face and saying, hey, you're not going to score on me. And I think it filters down from not just this level. It filters down to other levels of basketball where you hear college coaches all the time. You hear Penny Hardaway the other day, coach of Memphis, talking about, hey, our guys didn't compete. And I think it comes down to this highlight culture era that we're in now where guys don't want to get dunked on. Guys don't want to get crossed over. And the way that those things happen is because you're in a defensive stance and a guy gets you. And you can't just say, you know what? You got me. I'm going to go and get you back. It's, you know what? I don't want to be on that summer jam screen. So to me, <laughs> you know, an all-star game from 10 years. Remember, guys, this is not that long ago. Remember the all-star game in 2012 in Orlando where LeBron was yet to win a championship. Dwayne Wade broke Kobe Bryant's nose on a physical yeah. play. And in the last play yeah. of the game, LeBron would not take the final shot. And he tried to he pass the rose court, pass the Carmelo. <laughs> he got, and he got, 
yeah. He got roasted not LeBron, just on social media. It was Kobe he got roasted and by Carmelo. Kobe Bryant and the moment yeah. in a competitive game. Yeah. Like, take the shot. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that's not yeah. that long uh, ago. And these guys are just pissing on times. <laughs> well, you know, we need we need a good old fashioned freeze out. But speaking of social media, want to tie this into TikTok. <laughs> Which happened to Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but what I do remember, though, uh, what I do think, though, to your point about like just the highlight culture or what have you. You saw on TikTok, uh, it got some attention. Steph changes TikTok bio to uh, did not, in fact, ruin the game. I, I do think, though, a lot of the all-star struggles have to do with the proliferation of three-point shooting. I, I think it's just it's just so many threes and deep threes that aesthetically and stylistically, the type of competitiveness that we're talking about in an all-star atmosphere goes out the window because everybody's shooting threes. Everybody wants to shoot threes. And for the most part, like what was funny was watching Kawhi Leonard, for example, or even Nikola Jokic, who are good three-point shooters, but not exceptional three-point shooters. They looked out of place. They looked like they didn't belong on the court. Like, you know, Luka Doncic, like again, all good three-point shooters, but not up there. They looked out of place. It's like three-point shooting. I don't believe, by the way, no, Steph, you did not ruin basketball. You elevated it. <laughs> you took it to another place that we had uh, uh, that where uh, no, where no man has gone before. We didn't know we could even get there. I, I, I would think my guys agree with me on that. The step has been nothing but great for the game. But the three point shooting, I think, has evolved the all star game away from what we would like it for it to be again, because back in the day, they just weren't shooting threes to this level and to this volume. Vinny, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think you can tie a direct line between regular season basketball and the All-Star game. And, and a couple of league officials bristled at that when I brought that up. But guys are shooting, like you said, deeper and deeper than ever. And there's and look, there's only one Steph Curry. And there are some, there are some shall we say, imposters who believe that they are Steph Curry. But it's only one of those dudes, you know, just like people would say Michael Jordan ruined basketball and it created a bunch of, you know, fake baby Jordans and all that type of stuff because everybody was bald headed and could dunk or whatever. We tried to put that on them, but it's okay to let that guy be special. And I don't know. I don't like NBA games where teams are shooting 53s and you can't put your hands on someone and you can't really defend. I think that filters down to the All-Star game where you're taking like 163s or whatever it was. It's re yeah. it's out of control. It's ridiculous. And to yeah. me, it's a lack of variety in the game. And it shows itself at a game like the All-Star game. When Steph is on the heater, I want to see Steph shooting. I don't want to see all these other dudes shooting. Sit your ass down. Get your big ass in the post. <laughs> right. <laughs> was there any post up in this? Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Uh, Mike, did you have anything on that before we got to our last topic? No, no, no. Okay, Let's so nope. last thing, and uh, I would say, uh, again, Steph, been great for basketball, love the sarcasm. I, I can't imagine anybody at this point would say Steph. I know at one point, like, oh, he's ruined basketball. I was like, eh, okay, you know, we got, we got a little carried away with, uh, with, with blaming Steph for these kids trying to be Steph, uh, like you said, Benny. Steph is unequivocally one of the faces of the NBA. Jason Tatum, um, mm. and this is kind of in the aftermath of LeBron James acknowledging that, you know, he doesn't have many years left, uh, capping about he doesn't want attention and doesn't want a farewell tour. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be concerts at, at his go. By the way, Michael, they're gonna, they're, like, he's probably going to bring out artists, different artists to perform at every city at every stop. There's probably going to be a festival around every away game <laughs> for the LeBron James right. farewell tour. They're going to do, do it bigger and better than anybody. But Jason Tatum told The Athletic that there's a path for him to take over the mantle of best player, excuse me, face of the NBA, I beg your pardon. He said, I feel like it's mine to take. I do feel like if we win a championship, uh, it would be more distinguished and clear. But I understand I'm in that short list for sure. My response to that was, A, I don't think there is a face of the NBA with all due respect to LeBron James. I, I think that's a collective. I don't think at any point, Vinny, and, and you and Michael are much more of an NBA, NBA historians than I am. I don't know that any at any point there has been any one face of the NBA. That's a misconception. Like, there's always been several guys, whether it was Magic and Larry, or you know, and Michael. Michael may have stood head and shoulders above them, but he didn't carry the NBA single-handedly. You understand? I'm like there was always a, a, a collection of guys, whether it was Wilt and Russell. If you want to go all the way back, then if you want to go more contemporary. Like you know, LeBron has had Steph. Like you can't say that LeBron is the face of the NBA. It's been Steph. Hell, more recently it's been Giannis. You know, it's been you know reluctantly Nikola Jokic. There have been so many different people. So I don't think a Jason Tatum. I don't I, basically I don't think it's one person's job. And I think that's the best mm. thing about the NBA is it's not one person's job. Vinny. It's a collective. It's not just it's not just LeBron that he'd be taking that mantle from. Am I saying oh, no, something I wrong? Disagree disagree? You, I disagree with you completely because you said Nikola Jokic really? and I can't remember no, the I last said, time I said, anybody... I said reluctant. I said reluctantly reluctant. You, you can't be you can't be reluctantly a face of the league. Those two things don't go together. The one, if you are a face of the league, it's because you've embraced 
all the responsibilities that come with it. You are literally, you're talking about league issues. You they, are being available. Really, you are being Vinny, accountable. Can I just say, what? can I just say, Vinny? I wish, and I, I'm not the first person to tell you this. I wish the league office would hire you. I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about the CBA a minute ago. Your brain, you are so, Michael, am I lying? You are so consistent in being a steward of this game and this brand at the highest. I appreciate that about you, Vinny. Continue, my friend. I, you all, you no. can talk about this. This is this is you. This is you. Go ahead. They need to hire you. No, in the league uh, office. That's how you fix the all-star game. Hire Vinny Goodwill. Go ahead. Don't man. take it. They, don't take it. Don't take that they, job. They, they won't, Do not work yeah, for they him. won't pay me enough. They, they, look, look, I, I would go. Bald, I would go bald and I like my hair trying to figure out what's going on with these clowns. No, but but I think to be a face of the league, you have All to right. have a bunch of things working in your favor. And to me, LeBron is a, he may not be a singular face in the league where he has, you know, all of the pie, but I do think that he yeah. has the biggest piece of the pie in the way that if something happens, you're going to ask LeBron about it by and large. He may not yeah. always give you yeah. the right answer. Sometimes yeah. he may veer off and start talking about why y'all didn't ask me about Jerry Jones and all that type of stuff. <laughs> but there is a level of being accountable and wanting to embrace all the things that come within the game and without the game. And that's a heavy weight. And not everybody wants to do that. Nikola Jokic damn sure don't want to do that. He don't even okay, want to be asked about the game he just played in. Okay, there's face, there's face and there's voice. Let me just make this distinction. There's face and there's voice. LeBron James has been the loudest and most respected voice in the NBA. He's not the only voice. He's been the loudest. When I think of face of the league, I think of the people who or people are trying to tune in to watch. I think of best players, okay? People who people want to tune in to watch, whose jersey they want to buy, whose sneakers they right. want to buy, who they want to root for, yep. who are driving the league. And that is a that's always been a collective. Again, you there was Michael me. Jordan, there you was everybody me. else, but there was still but everybody else. There are tears though. But there are tears. There are tears. There are tears. And so the tears sure. you know, Jordan, sure. was, Jordan was in a tear by himself. He yes, not all, not, but not all the time. Not all the time. I'm sorry. Yeah, all the time. He had to he go was. through. He yes, had, he was. No, he wasn't. He had to. He had to take it from Magic. He had to literally take it from Magic and Larry. He had to go through Isaiah to get it. We referenced that a, Even, several times. He, I would. I would suggest that. And, and Vinny, he was the I, biggest I, I, I star. I want to ask you what you think about this. Okay. Even before he got through, he when, when they lost to the Pistons, three straight years in the playoffs, so they couldn't get by the Pistons. Even he was still when, a global icon. Even, even when they were back-to-back -back champions, even in a league with Bird and Isaiah and Magic, he still, with without a championship, was, without a ring, he still he was, was the, the biggest star by himself. He was the biggest by, star, but, but he, by himself, not by himself. He might have been up here. You said it right with he was a tier by okay. himself. All right, I'll give you that. Uh, Vinny, go ahead. He's a, he was a tier one. He, they he were tier was, two. He was a close tier two. From a personality standpoint, from a marketability standpoint, he was at the top of the mountain. And here's why the situation has gotten in this NBA so convoluted. And it's a nasty little secret. The reason that we love 90s NBA basketball in a way that we do, it wasn't just the basketball. It was, I'm not flattering you guys, but it was the NBA on NBC. But most importantly, y'all, it was those Nike campaigns that we saw. When you think of the faces of the NBA in the 90s, you're thinking of Charles Barkley. You're thinking of Michael Jordan. You're thinking of all those guys because the league had other entities doing marketing for them, and the players were able to embrace and jump in on that 
and they were able to cultivate personalities and texture that go beyond the game. Now you don't have that shoe company doing the work for you, so you're not sure who the face of the league is. You're not sure if Jason Tatum can do that because what do we know about Jason Tatum outside of the fact that he plays for the Celtics, he went to Duke, he's a father to Deuce and, and, and all of that, and that looks really cute, and he's a great ball player. Like there is a level of as far away as we used to be we felt yeah. like we knew those guys more. And so as close as we are it. now, we have social we have social media now, and those guys have all these brands, and I talked about it earlier, but we don't feel like we actually know them. We feel like they're trying to sell us something, but we don't know what they're selling us. They're just posting pictures and videos and everything else, but there's no actual proximity. There's no actual relationship. So I don't know if Jason Tatum has the force of personality to be a face of the league. Now, it'd be different if he was 19. And some people might still think he's 19. But I think the man might have had his car insurance just lowered this year. You know what I mean? He might have just turned 25. So, I wonder wonder if the face of the league when LeBron James is not going to be just your excellence on the floor. It's going to be your ability to be box office. Am I coming to see you play? Am I turning in to watch you play singularly, not just he, the Boston change, Celtics. If he changes teams, are people going to be a fan of that team all of a sudden and follow him? Yeah, yeah and, I and, mean, and here's and, the crazy thing. He's, yeah. he's going to be a Boston Celtic. He can be a Boston Celtic for the rest of his life. And it's yeah. weird that we say we want that and we want to connect player with team brand, but for some reason it hasn't elevated him to that point. And you're right about Steph Curry being the guy, or you haven't said it, but Steph is the guy that on an NBA Saturday night, if he's playing, we are watching. I do think that to some degree, LeBron no James as a basketball player is not as compelling as he used That's to be. And there's an element of, man, is he, when at. is he going to retire more than well, I want to see him play? And, Michael, this is the part where I I wasn't disagreeing with you. I think we were just like levels or tiers, as you said. When we were searching for the next Michael, to your point, right, about Jordan being – you know, far and away the guy over everybody else. There was this search for Michael and it brought us Kobe and it eventually brought us LeBron. I don't know that we need a next LeBron because as 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 Vinny just alluded to, it's not just LeBron. He may be the king. He may be the loudest, most impactful voice. He may be the most accomplished, arguably, you know, with, with apologies and stuff. Maybe it's probably the most accomplished contemporary player, arguably the greatest player of all time in some's mind, not ours on this here show. I don't know that there's got to be a one-to-one yeah. replacement, Michael, is what I'm saying. I think for LeBron you do. James, because of yes. the Joel Embiid's that we have, because of the, the, the Luka Doncic's. But still. If you're talking about you from a political voice, then I'm going to say this. I think election. you need a singular I, I, player. I do. You yeah, need one you guy, I Michael? Mean, I think you do. Because I, I do. I, I, believe, I, I agree with that, too. Because you know what? I, I think what this conversation points out is that your game is not enough. So, okay, let's just take Jason Tatum, what he said. Hey, I'm the best player. I think I'm the best player in the league. Okay, uh, Jason, uh, Jason, you are, uh, you've been a first-team All-NBA guy. So let's say if we just take that literally, and I know it's not always literal because of the positions, but let's say you're, you're one of five. You're, you, you got a one-in-five chance of being the best player in the NBA. Okay, but that's not what – listen, we're not talking about that. There's a lot – your game's not enough. They, there were people – Going back 
I, as a kid, I was excited when Dr. J won a championship over the Lakers. Why? Not just because Dr. J was a great player, but his story, his journey. Uh, to Benny's point, I was into that. I was into Detroit. In, I was, Benny, believe it or not. I was into Detroit winning back-to-back because I knew how much Michigan loved them and how everybody else hated them. And that's part of the story, too. That's part of the crown. Being the champ is the crown. Being the villain is the crown. Having the attention, having the scrutiny, that's what this is about. Everybody ain't built for it. And to Vinny's point, I haven't seen enough from Jason Tatum that way off the court to think that he's ready for what he's asking for. Mm, Jason, the, I don't know. I don't here, know here's man. the other thing. Here, here's the other thing that I think we are also missing. There's a connective tissue from college basketball to the NBA where fans get a chance to know who you are before you get there. Remember, you talked about Magic and Larry in the number one rated college basketball game of all time. Michael Jordan played for Dean Smith, North Carolina, the most recognizable college program of that time, maybe of all time. LeBron didn't go to college, but we knew him. His games were on national TV. He had the Hummer controversy, most recruited player ever, right? All those different things. You had a chance to know, love, and hate someone before they ever joined an NBA team. There was equity that the American public had with a player that did not quite exist, that does not quite exist anymore. Even Jason Tatum, who went to Duke, you don't really Mm -hmm. feel like you know him. And now, because players don't go to college basketball anymore, or they don't stay there long enough for you to get to know them, or they are foreign, so Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, as great as their stories are, it is not something that this American public can connect to in such a way that you can say we're going to put all of the force beyond our American viewing behind this guy because we don't know them. Vinny, we had this conversation. I don't know if you were with us, Michael. We had this conversation after the finals, and you were adamant about Nikola Jokic's obligation to be more of a face mm-hmm. of the NBA. So similar sentiments that you're expressing right now, Vinny. I want to go back to that. Like, I, I guess I, and I agree with everything you guys are saying. I understand it like all good. I, I think for me, maybe I was maybe I am too focused and was too focused in this conversation on just the basketball, right? Which which to y'all, which y'all are saying is that's not it. It's not enough. But I want to hone in on Nikola Jokic. Because when the NBA puts out any sort of promotional material, when I think of faces in the NBA, who are the cutouts that's going to be on promotional material? The best player in the league has got to be considered a face in the NBA, whether he opens up his mouth to say anything interesting or not. Like, that's the only thing I would push back on is like, you know, like, I, I get that being the face, if there, and I disagree that there is a singular face necessary anymore. Okay, or, or that anybody is capable of, of, of being a one-to-one replacement for a Jordan or LeBron any more than they were a Jordan. I also, you can't be the, the defending champion and the best player and not be considered a face because I think there is a segment of the population, and this is where we, or the, or the, the, the fan, um, NBA fandom, Vinny, this is, I remember we, we debated this before, that is fine with the guy just showing up and being great. And then going on and being with his horses. I don't know that everybody needs, not to say that players shouldn't, Vinny, 
are with you. That, Not everybody. This is how you the continue face, to grow the, the game. Face needs to. But, right, the right. Face needs I don't to know that every. I don't know that every fan. No, no, right, for sure. But I don't know that fans need every one of those faces to talk. Let's put it that way. No, I don't know that they, they, I don't, they need they need their great players to do anything other than be great. I I think there's a difference here. Just because I'm saying you have to be visible doesn't mean I'm asking you to talk. Remember those early mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Mars Blackman commercials? He didn't say a word. Spike Lee did all the talking, <laughs> but you remember the commercials and you remember him in it, right? Nikola Jokic has a commercial with, with Hilton where he brings a teammate along, and he does have a sort of wry sense of humor, and that's something that you can play off of. I'm not saying you have to step in shoes that you are not comfortable in as a person, right. as Tim a human Duncan. being. Right, but th- but even even then, there's levels to your personality that can be marketable. I'm not saying you have to shout from the rooftops if that's not who you are. Be who you are. Just think of it as a, think of it as a pie. Think of it as pieces of a pie. There's going to be the loud one. There's going to be the quiet one. There's going to be the sarcastic one. There's going to be the witty one. Yeah. All of those things make up this NBA marketing pie where you can reach every segment of your fans. There's the fans yeah. that want to see you all the time. There's the fans that don't Very need much. to see you all the time. But you have to participate and be willing and be accountable because, once again, you're making $40, $50 million on the backs of players who were never able to do it, but put the work in so you could. So you could. Yeah, man. This is, here's word. a quick question. Here's a quick, word quick question goodwill. for both of y'all. Quick question. Yeah. Yep. Post All-Star break. All right, All-Star break is over. Who you want to see play next? Who are you looking forward to? That? Hey, who do you need to see? Now that you haven't had basketball, ooh, I, I need to see fill-in-the-blank play. I think that is... Whatever that answer is, it's probably where we're going. We're talking about, yeah. Who, I mean, who do look, I need to see? I, I mean, hopefully he don't retire. Steph. I think the one. Benny said it earlier. I think the one see? player who I will never yeah. pass up an opportunity to watch if I can yes. is Stephen Curry. There it is. There it is. That, that's that, that's yeah. part of it. I don't, I don't disagree. That's part of it. I gotta I see. It. Yep. Must gotta see TV. See. Just wish he didn't yeah. have them damn shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Why you can't just get out? Like, just get out, out be nice. Just, 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 just be nice. Just be nice on the way out. Just one, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a shot at Nike for, screw, for screwing up and losing them in Under Armour's game. That's all that is. I'm just playing. Oh, well, uh, your presence is always a present. Then uh, again, well, appreciate you, brother, man. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mike, see you next week, brother. All right, y'all. Always a pleasure. Appreciate y'all. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.